It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org. What is up? Welcome back to the Fortman Podcast. Today, my guest is Matt Chandler, who is a good friend of mine who's um, over the past couple of years. And Matt is someone that I've looked up to for, for a while now, and he's a... Um, just an awesome man. He's a husband, a father. He's a uh, white belt in Brazilian. Is it, it's, it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? It is. It's Brazilian I wasn't going to throw the belt out there, but we just talked about it. And I was like, yeah, it's oh. fine. Listen, I'm not embarrassed. Listen, the hardest belt to get is the white belt. What do you mean by that? I mean, you've got to show up. You, you've got to take the risk. You've got to get on the mat and roll with other people. You've got to do that thing that people don't like to do, which is put themselves in a really uncomfortable position where you're literally going to, you're saying, I'm choosing to suck at something for the next two years of my life. That's going to hurt. That's going to be frustrating. That's going to, and, and so like you can get a black belt in 10 years, 12 years, you know, but, but the number of people that want to do something like that, but will never do it for fear of they're being too old or they're, they're nervous about the violence of the sport or they, so I just think the hardest belt to get's the white one. The, I, the, I, to, I, see, I would agree with that. So you got to just show up. You got to show up that first time and there you, you don't know anything. And you know, you've just, you've watched, you know, an MMA fight or something and you're, you're just like, Oh my gosh. And you got to show up. Cause I, I had all of that uh, going on in me when I went with my son the first time. Would you, um, I, I, do you bow before you get on the mat? Are you, do you do the ritual? Um, yeah, you 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 bow to your your professor. Yeah, and then he invites you onto the mat. But it is the what I like also about it is there's not a there's not a um, overt kind of spiritual yeah, thing sure. happening in jujitsu that can be in some of the other mixed martial arts. Yeah. So, sure. would you have ever done a podcast wearing your gi? Man, maybe for you, had you have asked. I really wish I would have asked you. I was going to ask you. If you had asked, man, maybe I would have thrown it on. Tell you what, if I if I can win a fight or two on Saturday and then have some legit, no, I've won fights in competition, then I'll come back on, you know, at some point and I'll wear my gi. With 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 like some kind of medal or like with a little, the medal. Yeah. Tro- with trophy. the medal or broken fingers, whichever, whichever happens. Both are possible. <laughs> you have all your like you know, your pastor accomplishments or whatever you would get for, from the church or something. Then you have like a little, like tiny, just like a little trophy from your <laughs> competition. Yeah. That's what it'll be. It'll be plastic, but it'll look metal. Uh, that's my guess. I love, well, I, I love how I, I stopped your, uh, your intro at, at, at Judici, but you're also, uh, an author, an author, a pastor, and you're even a hunter now. Uh, well, you've always been a hunter, but you're kind of, kind of more avid here lately. Um, but man, I'm really, really excited to, uh, to talk with you. You know, I kind of mentioned, um, you know, earlier, just I've, I've followed you for a long time. I've, you know, before, um, me and Sadie met, you had a pivotal moment in my life in college, listening to, um, the unearth series that you did forever ago. Um, but I just, I really think that there's few people out there that, really preach the word like you do and um 
you know, I really don't think I'd be the man that I am if it wasn't for your teaching. And I really think I can also kind of one hand the amount of people I would drive five hours to go get lunch with. And you, um, you're one of those people just because I, I look up to you that much and just respect you and uh, just love getting to learn from you and love, love that I'm able to call you a friend. So I'm really excited just to sit down and just have a good conversation today about just some different things that I think can be uh, just confusing for a lot of people. For sure. And I'm glad to be on, man. It's, it's been good to get to know you. That's humbling, uh, the stuff I hear you say. So, uh, thanks for that. And, uh, yeah, I, I love this topic as weird as it sounds. It's heavy, but you, you got to do something with all of it. Um, yeah. and so eager to dive in and, and yeah. try to, as best we can in our finite way, make sense of the, the great mystery. For sure. Well, actually one, one last thing before we start, because it is a, super big mystery because I have people always say like how in the world can you listen to a podcast when you're working out and I always just say like you've never listened to Matt Chandler um, <laughs> the guys I mean it literally it's like you mix I mean like I feel like I'm getting spiritually punched in the face every time I listen to you when I'm working out and I personally love it I'm not I actually hate sermons where I just like I don't know like we're just you know light and I'm just so encouraged like which is good but like I just prefer I don't know I just prefer to be convicted and challenged rather than like you know, encouraged and like, oh, I'm doing so great, which I know there are seasons where like that is, you know, beneficial. But to me, I don't know, I think just with the way my personality is, I just always feel like I'm just, you know, screwing it up somehow. And not <laughs> not that hearing you talk like adds on top of that, but it just like, I, don't know, I just view it as like a challenge of like, how can I, you know, really cultivate this relationship with the Lord that's actually, you know, legitimate. It's not just, um, you know, on Sundays and you, you talk, you talk so much about, you know, just how the devil tries to lull you to sleep and you talk about, you know, yep. the pacifier and all these things that I think are so prevalent in our culture of, you know, just how can you, you know, slowly yet surely, how, how can, how can he kind of take you out? And I love trying to just be on guard against that and you, yeah. and you help Amen. me in those ways. So I'm really appreciative. Well, if you're listening and you're wondering what we're going to talk about, so I texted Matt a few weeks ago and really just wanted to talk about this idea of um, just God's sovereignty in the midst of difficult circumstances and really just kind of wrestling with that tension of, you know, how is God sovereign and also that idea of human freedom and how that relates to suffering. Like it's a, it's a weird thing of like, how is God sovereign, but you know, chooses to intervene in some situations, but chooses to maybe not pull back the right word in some, in, in some situations, but he's still working it all for his good. But there's some things that you can look at and it's like, I don't see how any good could come from that. Um, yeah. And really just, yeah, kind of trying to reconcile that idea of how is God sovereign and, um, you know, how does that relate to our free will as humans and with suffering and what he chooses to kind of intervene in and, and all those different things. Yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> the, it is a lot. Um, the, I mean, just at a high level, and and we can get into however detailed or specific I think we can get. Um, Augustine, who was the Bishop of Hippo, probably one of the smartest men to ever live, uh, described life on Earth for human beings as having your face pressed against a stained glass window. That what, what you see, um, is you see color and, and brightness, but it's also jagged and looks broken. And because we're finite and God is eternal, 
we can't get far enough back to see how it all fits together in a way that's glorious and beautiful. Um, and, and Augustine is, is making the argument for, especially on this subject, humility, uh, because of our finiteness, trying to understand something that's infinite. So God being outside of time and space, God being, um, everywhere at once in his fullness so that the future isn't, it's not something he knows about, right? It's, it's like where he is right now while being fully where we are right now, while, you know, he's outside of time. So it, it, it puts stress on our finite brain and it creates, um, really it creates a demand, uh, for humility. Um, mm -hmm. and even in the book of Job, which I think you can argue that nobody, nobody has as bad of a day as Job has in Job one and two. And what a weird passage to begin with. Mm -hmm. But, um, God never answers any of Job's questions. It, it's like God knows your, your brain can't handle this. Like you, you can't. You, you can't fathom, even if I tried to explain to you what I'm up to, you, you just lack the capacity to understand. So God's lesson for Job in what certainly looks like unjust, how do you make sense of this suffering? It, it's clear that Job is an upright man. The scripture says it. This is an upright man and he's a better man than I am. I mean, because things go bad and he just immediately starts worshiping and he can't be moved off the position, even in his wife is like, you still holding on to your integrity, curse God and die, you fool. I mean, you're just like, come on, babe. I mean, it's a tough day. And God, for all of the sideways energy that his friends bring to bear on the horrific aspects of that day for Job that turns into a season for Job, God never answers his questions. What he does is he tells Job not to look around to try to make sense of it but to look up to him as the creator and sustainer of the universe and find comfort in the fact that God is God and we're not. And that's why those last three, four chapters of Job have that cadence they do where the Lord's asking Job a bunch of questions, he even tells Job, hey, dress for action like a man. Oh, you want to know? Well, let me ask you, where were you when? And the point God is making is, that there are some things that are just going to be beyond us. And the way that we can find comfort in some of the more horrific of circumstances, man, I've been pastor in a church for 20 years. I, I could name for you right now, 10 things that I'll never be able to fit neatly into some of this was for the glory of God box. Um, or, or man, the fruit of that 15 years later was this. I mean, I, this was some horrific stuff. Uh, I've got to go to the hospital and the morgue uh, and minister into the middle of um, that, that the best I can do for my own soul in those situations is to look at the cross, um, watch how God moves towards us in our weakness, moves towards us in our confusion, is with us in the mess and and rest in the fact that he's God and I'm not. And, and that somehow in a way that maybe I'll understand one day in glory, um, he, he's up to something for his glory and my good. Um, and, and then I've got all the biblical evidence in the world with no real mystery that that's true, that God has moved towards us in love over and over and over again. 
God always starts with the indicative. He always starts with the, like we were just talking Malachi before this, right? I have loved you, declares the Lord. That's how the book of Malachi begins. He he begins with the indicative. Um, he, he doesn't give the law to Israel and go, once you figure this out, you and I can be tight. No, he, he loves them, delivers them, saves them, and then gives them the law. And, and this is kind of how God works. So to root ourselves there and, and then stand in the tension of the mystery between God does sometimes intervene and just go, no, you're not like to have been like, you're not going to sin against me. Or he, he does stop suffering in an instant. I, I've seen him miraculously heal and, and then not. And, and someone very young with, with all the reasons to live, um, dies. So there, there's a mystery there that people who want to eradicate it and create clean boxes, they make me nervous. Um, it's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org. Because I don't see the scriptures doing that. The scriptures allow for a lot of tension. Yeah. Well, that's so, that's so good. And like you said, you, you just brought up Malachi and, you know, it's, it's, it's such an interesting start to it. Cause like, like you just said, it starts with, I have loved you declares the Lord. And then it immediately goes to how have you loved us? Right. Yep. What do you think that is in humans that, you know, that, that is the, the first inclination of like how and why, like e- even with all the suffering, you know, and, and before the podcast, I was kind of sharing you that story. Like our first question is always to ask why, right? Yeah. And we're never going to necessarily get a why. It's just, you know, I feel like that's, that's just the wrong question we can ask. You know, you, you, you with brain cancer, it's not, you can't say why me, you know? And I know that you said that you asked that question, but like, what do you think that is in us that, you know, our first inclination is to just kind of question God. Like I, 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 yeah. I, I know sin, but there's also, you know, maybe something neurologically, like what do you think that is of, of why we're prone to just question when things like that don't go the way we, the way, the way that we think it should, it should happen. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's all sorts of, honestly, all sorts of layers there. Um, I, I think the human impulse um, is to, try to, God made us thinking creatures. He, he made us uh, creatures who are curious and, um, and he, he made us like him to desire order. And to, in fact, even if you go back to the command on Adam and Eve before sin enters the world, it's to fill the earth and subdue it, bring order to the chaos of this world. Um, and so we have been designed by God to seek order, uh, to make sense of the world that we live in. And, and that impulse, as good as it is, and as beautiful as it is, it really brings about good, true, beautiful things. The back edge of that is to try to understand something that might be beyond our capacity to understand. And, and then, if we're honest, all of us have certain desires for our lives and a certain vision for how our life goes. And sometimes that's, sometimes that's divorced from maybe the, the plan that God has for us. And so some suffering, um, it, you know, occurs violently and out of nowhere. And some suffering occurs 
because of other people and some, so there, there are all these, and then there's just kind of the paper cut disappointment level suffering where life just is, man, life's just disappointing to you. You just thought life would look different than it did. You thought your marriage would be easier. You thought that, you know, that you're, your, your kids would be compliant. You, you thought, you know, your parents would age gracefully. You thought, and, and it hadn't happened that way. And it's disorienting. You, you kind of desire a, I, I need to know why this happens and why this has happened to me. Um, and, and I, I just don't see in what I see in scripture is an empathetic high priest who knows it's scary to be us, does not judge harshly for our confusion or lament, but also doesn't seem overly interested in explaining um, every aspect of human suffering, whether it be the most horrific and grotesque or, or just the everyday disappointments. What we do see in the scriptures is that God doesn't waste them. Um, but but again, I, I think that's the inclination. The inclination is I need to make sense of this. I need to bring order to this, which is partly how God made us. Yeah, that's good. Well, I mean, you travel the world, you know, all the time. Is that something that you see? I mean, granted, you know, we just read Malachi, which is the Old Testament, and they're asking, how have you loved us? Like, so it, it is something throughout, you know, human civilization and, and, and throughout all cultures, but do you think it's more of a Western thing to, you know, to ask that question why versus someone, you I, know? I think, there's, I think there's a level of comfort here. Yeah that's different than almost anywhere else in the world. And so in the Western world <clears throat> where comfort and ease um, are, are available to almost everyone, regardless of socioeconomics, that, that's a very different thing than most other parts of the world. And so I was in India earlier this year. That That is not, even if you're, I mean, I don't know, that you could say there's a true middle class there, but even, even if you're a wealthy person, like, like comfort and ease, it's hard to come by in certain places, but for us, it's just, it's, we, we become so used to comfort, ease, speed, quick, take a pill, you know, turn on the TV, take a drink, Eat, eat food, do those, those things are so readily available to us that we're going to be prone to feel difficulty in a more pronounced way. But I, I also see what's interesting is you see a resurgence right now, uh, specifically on the, the right side of politics. You, you see a resurgence in doing the hard thing and embracing discomfort. And you, I mean, you see the rise of the coal plunge. You, you see the rise of, uh, of these, um, like non-Christian voices that are calling men back to suffering, you know, choosing suffering for good. And, and, and there's something, uh, there's something, um, I, I'm trying to find the right word for what I would, I think there's something good in that, a reminder that, um, suffering produces certain things in our lives. And, um, and I'm talking about the kind of suffering you, you, you can choose. And then that helps you with the suffering that you won't choose that is coming. Um, and so the, to answer your question, I, I think we have the capacity for comfort in a way that's different than most of the world. And that capacity for comfort has produced, and I want to be real careful here because suffering is real. 
uh, it's created soft people um, who would view what might in a different age or in a different place be a two on a scale of one to 10 in regards to suffering or difficulty, but slams into us like an eight or nine uh, because we're just so used to lives of ease. And I know like that's not true about everybody that's listening to this podcast right now, but by and large, if I'm looking at our culture in the West at large, it's a, it's a culture of comfort. Yeah, for sure. No, man, I completely agree with that, man. We, you know, we went to Haiti right, right, right before COVID hit and just seeing, um, you know, just seeing people in these, in these situations and in these circumstances that like, you know, you can't wrap your head around. I mean, you can, but it's like, I think I, I was, I was talking to someone the other day about just this idea of wealth and, 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 and where we're at. And it's like, man, if you make, I, I, I don't know the numbers of it, but it's like, if you make this amount of money, and which is low, which is lower class in, in America, like you're wealthier than 90%, 97% of the world, you know? And it's like trying to, trying to just reconcile like, well, that changes a framework of how you view finances and money and, and, and all, and all those things. But, you know, so, so for you, cause you had a moment, um, several years ago now at this point where you had, uh, a brain tumor. Um, yeah. Or, or was it, was it a tumor or cancer? Same, it was, yes. A tumor same. that was cancerous. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the same. Uh, but you know, I mean, so we just talked about suffering. Like there's, there is so much good that comes from suffering. Right. But it is, it can be hard to look at it as like, you know, I'm going through this chemotherapy because God's going to teach me something beneficial. Like it's, from from a zoomed out perspective, it's 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 kind of weird, right? It's like, yeah, I'm gonna go through this awful thing because the Lord wants to teach me how to be closer to Him. It's like, I mean, yeah. come on, could you not do like? Is there well, of course enough? He could. the The gift is, and I, you know, having gone through brain cancer and you know being told I had two years to live and hearing some of the dumb things that Christians would say to me, um, which it, what, what 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 are some of those dumb things? I mean, even just what you just said, like, uh, you know, he's teaching me a lesson that that's gonna, you know, that'll be for my good. Well, okay. Yeah. Because, because I survived because he didn't, he didn't call me home. Um, the gift in suffering, I, I don't sure he's accomplishing things. He, he says uh, throughout the Bible that he's accomplishing things in his suffering. The, the gift that I got in suffering was a, his nearness in a unique way. And Spurgeon says, you know, he uses Spurgeon who suffered greatly, um, had terrible arthritis, had terrible, I mean, depression. It just suffered terribly with a wife who was sickly. And he, he would use these, like he would say, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. And the Lord keeps his choicest wines in his cellar, things like that. Um, and so as I walked through the cancer and, and I can now, it's been 13 years and, and I can look back on it and I can see the good that he accomplished in my life. And at the time, what, what was carrying me through is not, well, I guess I've got some lessons to learn, but it was that the Lord was with me in a unique way in that suffering that I could, man, I, I could appreciate, um, the, the circumstance I was in for the joy of that presence. But, but that doesn't, I mean, that just means he's, he's a, he's a God of his word. 
that like even the 23rd Psalm, right? Why, why don't you fear any, why don't you fear any evil when you're in the valley of the shadow of death? Because thou art with me, like I'm with you. So the, the promise in suffering is that we haven't been abandoned, that, that God is with us, not that he's with us and we better have a notebook because he's got some lessons to teach us. I, I think those lessons are occurring, but, but the nearness of his presence in the suffering, I always saw as a gift, even as I've wrestled hard with him in those seasons. But um yeah, that, that's, that's how I've always thought about it. I haven't thought, oh, he's got to teach me some things. So, you know, he's going to take me through this fire. Although you are learning things and the scriptures are clear about what it produces. What yeah, suffering no, produces. no, 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 for sure. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm more so meaning from like a hindsight perspective, right? I'm not, yeah. you know, if I'm going through something tragic, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, yes, I feel the, I feel the presence and I'm not thinking about future, like, this is what I hope he teaches me. You know, yeah. it's like, I mean, even, you know, I, I, I talked to you about it, you know, the, when, when, when honey had her terrible situation and we, that was a thought she was going to have brain surgery, whatever. Like in the moment, I'm not like, Oh, God's going to teach, like, you know, sure. God's going to teach me how to trust him more. Like, even though this is hard, but like, so I'm not maybe necessarily meaning like in the midst of it, like, you know, like a flippant, like, this is what I'm going to learn. Like, I'm just going to just, you know, be joyful because yeah. like, but it's, it's, you know, it's that hindsight perspective of looking back of like, man, like that was just traumatic. It, it was difficult. Like, you know, even like, like, like the why question, like, and that's something I do wrestle with. It's like, I'm not trying to test the Lord. Like there's plenty of verses on people that do that. Like what, what ends up happening to them? I don't want to be one of those people, you know, but it is that human, just, I think that condition of just, you know, just sin of like, you know, questioning of like, you know, did what, you know, was there something that you were trying to teach us in that moment of like, you know, in it, and it was hard, it was difficult. Like, and I think even just me in, in, in whatever state can be like, I would have rather, you know, maybe not, not gone through something that traumatic thinking sure. I was going to lose my daughter or my marriage is not, not falling apart, but me and Sadie can't see eye to eye on this situation. Like it was a terrible, you know, couple months or whatever. And, you know, there, there's things like that of, man, I would have rather, yeah, not gone through that, but there is things that, you know, there is great things that come from it. So I, th- I think, for, I think it's more so the hindsight perspective of like, you know, just those questions rather than in the midst of it. Like, because I agree with you, like people, when we were going through that, it was the same thing. It was like, and, and, and what I said to you was, wasn't trying to be a dumb question or, or, or whatever. No, no, no. I'm saying uh, those are the kind of things that, that people will say to you in the middle of suffering where they're like, well, I guess the Lord's teaching you a, <laughs> yeah, just you not know, help, wants yeah. to teach you some things yeah. and you're like, oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Which, but you know, to some, like, it, like that's what I'm saying. Like if, if I would not have gone through what I went through and, you know, a few weeks after that, it went, went on a men's retreat and it radically changed my life. Like, to where there was a dependency that I that I had never had before, like, and even if she, you know, and 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 we're both saying this off of you know actually getting what we actually wanted, right? Like you survived, yeah. like so. There is a there. We're coming from a standpoint of like God answered you know our prayers and like we're grateful for that. But if He didn't answer it, you know, how would you reconcile that? Like, there's 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 so many just multi layers of it. But yeah, I do think that 
you know, when, when, when people go through things like that, I think that you can say things that you think are super encouraging, but they're actually not beneficial yeah. at all or, or, uh, or helpful. So, um, for sure. But what do you feel like, you know, cause I've, 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 I've heard you kind of talk about in, in, in sermons past of like wishing you could go back to feeling that nearness of like when you were yeah. going through those things, what did, what did that season teach you on, you know, just a dependency? Like, like what was your, what would you say was a marker of your faith before that? And after like, what, what kind of shifted in um, your faith and dependency? Yeah. So there were some things, um, uh, certainly some things that the Lord wanted to accomplish or, or did accomplish in that, um, that, that I didn't recognize for years, uh, not until years later. Um, so like I, I learned not to take myself so seriously. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, without question, I, I deeply love Jesus. I love his word. I love making much of him. Uh, I love pointing out his beauty and his grace and, um, but a long time ago, what I noticed is that when I do that, some people will make much of me. And I kind of like that too. I mean, I'm not trying to be God, but it's that that's kind of nice too. Oh, wait, I'm I'm unique. Oh, wait, I've got some gifts and talents. I mean, that that felt good too. And so when you're when somebody tells you, hey, you're gonna die in the next two years, oh, and we're gonna poison you. Um, for that, that during that time. So it's not going to be like the Tim McGraw song. You're not going to yeah. go ride a bull. You, you're going to, you're not parachuting. Um, you're not skydiving. Um, you're not Rocky mountain climbing. You're going to lay on the bathroom floor, uh, and try to get some strength up to vomit again. That's going to be what this is going to be like. And, um, so you, the, the enemy's going to hop in and start whispering and lying. And so then I was like, oh my gosh, am I? Like, have I been doing all of this for my own glory? Have I been doing this for the glory of God? Have I been, you know, I know I have, I, I, there's no question in my mind that I love him, but is my love for Jesus tainted by the, these kind of, the, these, these, these motivations that seem in this moment to be more self-seeking than kingdom seeking. And man, in the, in the middle of that, because that was, was just a brutal wrestle um, throughout my time in chemo and, um, and then finally just landing on, man, it had better be the grace of God. <laughs> uh, I mean, if it's not the grace of God, then I'm screwed because I am a mixed bag of motives, still a mixed bag of motives, constantly trying to lay that before the Lord to purify that and refine that and uh, make me single-minded and single-hearted. Um, but but that was one of the things that was a big wrestle for me is I would see these inconsistencies in me and I would see these... Um, these things that I thought were ugly in me. And the, I, I think one of the big takeaways for me is that I, I came out on the other side. I'd always believed and preached grace, always embraced and wanted to be the, I always wanted the church that I pastored to be an okay place to not be okay. I mean, that's, you'll hear us say that a billion times. Lord doesn't want us to stay there, but it's okay if you're not okay. So I, I love it when the farthest from the Lord comes to the village and feels, you know, welcomed and at home and challenged and built up in the Lord. I, I love that. And, and so I came out the other side going all the more, no, it had better be grace and better be grace alone. Uh, cause I saw in that introspective period and maybe even through the work of the enemy, um, some inconsistencies in the deeper parts of my heart, um, some mixed motives, uh, in the deeper parts of my heart. 
And, uh, I found those things to be really ugly. And, um, yeah, I, I came out the other side, um, being really grateful, uh, for God's grace, uh, and feeling less serious about myself and more serious about the grace of God. And that was a, that was a good lesson. No, no. Yeah. When I was, when I was saying that, yeah, I wasn't trying to be trying to sound like one of those people. I think, I think maybe what I said came off possibly that way. And then. No, 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 it didn't at all. I I was trying to give the example of like well-meaning, awesome people who love the Lord, who try to encourage, but it's going to land differently on you when you're in the middle of suffering. So like even people that would come quote eight Romans eight twenty eight to me, I'd be like, Oh, thanks. But I knew that. I know that verse, but so yeah, I didn't, I didn't think you were saying that I was using that as an example of, yeah, yeah, well-meaning people will say, I guess the Lord's got things to teach you. And you're like, Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like that is something like, you know, kind of like what you talked about? Cause I think sometimes you, you just, you just talked about motives. Obviously we all have, um, you know, unpure motives. Like we all, to some extent, whether it's, um, you know, greed or whatever, like we all have something in us that's, you know, that's not a motive. And, and God says he, 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 knows all of our motives, right? He, he says, you know, I, I was writing this thing out the other day talking about, like, I would hate for people to read my thoughts. Like, if, yeah. if you knew my thoughts I have, you would think I was just crazy. And, but yet God knows all of our thoughts. Like, so it's like, God is the mind reader. Like, you know, who yeah, would want to be a mind reader? But like, God actually is a mind reader. Um, but um, I mean, yeah, like you said, we all have, we all have those things. And I think sometimes too, and maybe you had this moment when you're in brain surgery of like, is you know, is God doing this to me because I've had these motives? Like, and I think you kind of hinted on that a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's like questioning of like, is God bringing about this suffering because of, you know, this past or this sin that I've done or this, this way I've been walking or whatever, like, does yeah. he, you know, this was, was that ever like a thing that you kind of wrestled with, with where you kind of talked about your motives for Unpure, you felt like at times. Yeah, I, I think all that was wrapped up in that. I mean, it was a dark couple of months wrestling with the Lord, and um, wrapped up in that certainly was. You know, there were two things happening, and they they sound like completely at odds with one another. And so, but I, I mean, I guess that's what it means to be human: uh, the complexity. So, so the first one was uh, I was aware of all these things I had done for the Lord and the ways that I had sacrificed to serve Him. And I was frustrated that these other men that I knew, um, who either were adulterers or, um, were emotionally abusive or, uh, I mean, I could fill in the blank. I, I pastor a, a large church. I mean, they're just some scoundrels. And, um, yeah, I, I was like me, Lord, you're, you're doing this to me a- and not, you know, these guys who, you know, I've, I've loved Lauren with my whole heart, my eyes, my, my, my body, my soul, my thoughts, my, and, and these guys, multiple affairs, fat shaming their daughters. They, and, and I'm, you give me cancer. And so there was, there was that. And then in the same breath, I, I would like be over on the, God, my motives are so, and I mean, I knew that time I should have done this. And then it, it, it was, yeah. I, I mean, that, that's what was happening. It was, it was happening to me on both sides. They're, they're the same thing. You know, it's the same coin, different sides of the coin. Yeah. No, I, dude, that's, that's, I do that all the time. That's, that's, that's like, that's so relatable. No, it is for sure. It's like, you I mean, seriously, like, like, cause even, even like my brother, like this is something he wrestles with. And I was, I was, I sent him the Psalms the other week. Cause he was like, man, like 
I felt like I was he he, he plays pitch he's, he's a pitcher for the Nationals and their organization. He's like I was so much better at pitching before I really started following Jesus. It was like I just man like I performed better like I was throwing harder whatever, and it's like you know him trying to reconcile like kids on the team who are just the worldliest of just people who have great success. And he's like, I'm over here, you know, doing a Bible study. Like I'm more, like, I love you, God. And it's like, you know, can't even make it out of the first inning, like just crap the bed, <laughs> you know? And it's like, even just trying to reconcile that of like, I mean, but why has God given them success, but not me success? Like there's so many things in us that are just, it's just confusing of like, yeah. how, like, you know, there's so many things that we can't, that we can't make sense of. So, but you said that you've pastored a church for 20 years. How many years have you and Lauren been married? Uh, 25 this coming summer. 25. So you said, so you were diagnosed with that 13 years ago? Yep. So that was that was after y'all's first seven years that you always talk about. That was, Very much so. Thank yeah. God. I was going to ask you how, I mean, hypothetically, like year six, would, would that have been a, a different, a different uh, story? I mean, it would have been completely different. Not, not, I, don't, I don't think it would have been different in the outcome. Yeah. Um, I think we were both very much committed, even in the difficulties of our marriage, to what we understood that the Lord had for us, which was staying together and figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So there was never there was never a moment where we considered what life would look like without being married. Now, had that persisted and turned into 15 years or 18 years, maybe those thoughts would come. But we were we were super curious about why it wasn't working and we both really wanted it to work. And so we were just trying to navigate all of that. So, um, the good news was it landed when it does, it did, which we had grown very close and we're actually in the phase, almost like a, a, a honeymoon phase since our honeymoon phase wasn't a great honeymoon phase. So it was, it, we were in a season of, of like, intimacy and enjoyment of one another that was like like it was incredible and it's your time join global thought leader executive producer and new york times best-selling author td jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other at the 2024 international leadership summit spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success with world-class discussions breakout sessions and networking opportunities this is where your dreams turn into reality Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. And then, you know, Thanksgiving morning happened, so. Yeah. Well, what was that shift from year seven to year eight that really kind of helped you? Well, it was... You know, there was a, there was a breakthrough moment and then there was, you know, two years of learning how to do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, what's funny too, is that Lauren and I both had different breakthrough moments. Um, hers or mine involved her, hers did not involve me at all. I don't think. <laughs> and so I, um, man, we were, we were just in a fight and I was, 
I was over it, but I didn't, I never wanted to be my dad. I didn't want to be a screamer or a, um, you know, slam door or, and so what I would do, I think it was just a, such a terrible thing is I would just withdraw and get icy. I just get icy and mean, never yell. And so that's what I was being. I was, I was literally, I said this actually in a sermon. I was being a jackass. I mean, I just was cold and icy and it was not fitting what she was guilty of. And she, she was in the living room and I was in the kitchen. It was late on a Saturday night and she walked around the kitchen Island and she just walked right up to me in all my jackassery and she just hugged me. And she started crying and like crying, crying. And then she looked at me like tears coming down her face and just said, I don't know what's going on inside of you, Matt Chandler, but I love you and I'm not going anywhere. And it was like in that moment, I realized that probably the most significant issue in the marriage was me, not Lauren. And I went and started to try to get help. Um, up until that point, because my life had gone the way it had, which is if I, if I did it, it worked. If I touched it, it turned to gold. If, but I, it was true everywhere, but in my marriage where Lauren and I just kept missing each other. And, um, and so, you know, it was easy for me to believe if she would just do what I say or do what I want, then our marriage would be awesome. And, you know, she's like, her background is not mine. Her good, she's like, she's a good girl rule follower. So she was thinking if I'll just do what he says and give him what he wants, then I'll, then this will work. And it just wasn't working. Yeah. And so I became aware I, that I'm the issue here and I went to start to get help. So I went and saw a counselor for the first time. I, I, I started trying to uh, figure out what was going on in me. What was underneath the surface causing me to behave the way I was behaving. And then the more I worked on myself and didn't try to work on Lauren, uh, the more I think Lauren could see the stuff that she was bringing to the table and the baggage that she brought into the marriage. Um, and so from there, um, there was a night where she approached me and apologized and, um, and, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in full, I'm just going to own my own stuff. So man, I accepted her apology and told her I loved her. And, um, I, I think I said something to the tune of how counseling had helped me, you know, see things in myself better. And the, the, the next week, Lauren went to our recovery program at the church as the pastor's wife. And wow. at the end, she, she would tell that she's told this story, like on the overcomers podcast, she's told the story in different places, but, um, otherwise I wouldn't tell it cause it's her story, but she's in the crowd. And they offer like, like these stones of remembrance, you know, if you, you want to begin anew today, you want, and she felt compelled by the spirit. I need to go up and, and grab one of those stones. But then she fear man was like, no, I'm the pastor's wife. What are they going to think if I walk up there? What are they going to, and she, she stayed in her seat. She didn't go up and do it. And then they sang a song and then they come back up and they give you one more chance to, um, to come grab a stone. I mean, you got to walk up in front of everybody. It's not every, every head bowed, every eye closed. It's like every eye looking, everybody staring, no music going on in the background. It's kind of that kind of moment. And, um, and she stood up at the end and she walked up in front of everybody and she grabbed a stone and she gave the person handing out the stone a hug. And it was the first time in her kind of 
good girl mentality mm-hmm. that she was willing to look weak and broken in front of people. And something broke off of Lauren that night. So when Lauren hugged me in the kitchen, you know, six weeks before that, that was my moment that I can point to and say there was significant breakthrough at that moment. I still didn't know what to do about it. I just, I had the epiphany by the grace of God. I'm the issue. I need to work on me. And I set off to do that and stop trying to fix Lauren. Her moment came six, seven weeks later when she embraced being weak and not perfect. And, and then from there, the two of us uh, grew into, um, started to grow into what we are now. So, yeah. wow, that's so powerful. That's so good. Well, I can, it's, it's, it's even cool to hear you talk about, you know, like where you, where you talked about your dad like that, then kind of how you did things differently. Because I think, I think sometimes too, and this is in our human nature and, 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 and in our sin and everything too, like you can, if, you know, if, if, if you kind of retreat and isolate and get icy, like you can be thinking, well, you better be glad I'm not slamming a door. Like, so, yeah. you know, so you're like, you're in that mindset of like, well, just be thankful I'm not, you know, throwing something across the room or flying off a handle or whatever, yeah. but you're still not doing what you know you should be doing. Yeah. And it's like, it's just selfish. It's like just this impure motive. It's, 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 it's really wild. Yeah. I also think it's a, it's the difference between anti-vision and vision. So anti-vision is like, I'm not going to be this. I'm not going to be my dad. Well, great. That's a, but that's not the touchdown. That's not what the Lord put in front of you. The Lord put a vision in front of you to love and cherish your wife like Christ loves the church, to to see that she looks like a well-watered vine in the book of Proverbs. To, so it's like by doing that, by saying, I'm not doing this, at least I'm not doing this, you're, you're actually, you're living by anti-vision. You're setting up a different touchdown than the one that the Lord has for you. And so to live into vision that my wife should be flourishing uh, under my care and words of affirmation and physical touch and gift giving, whatever, you know, the love languages are like that, that I want to create an environment in which my wife can flourish and where she feels seen and acknowledged. And that's a completely different touchdown than, Hey man, at least I'm not throwing stuff and slamming doors, but anti-vision. And this is true across every area of leadership. If you know what you don't want to be, you'll rarely become the thing God's called you to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's why anti-vision is so damaging. Uh, it changes the touchdown to something the Lord hasn't said, this is a win. And so you not screaming and not slamming doors, me not screaming, not slamming doors, not being violent towards Lauren or using my size to intimidate wasn't, that's not what the Lord called me to. So to use that as, see, I'm doing great is, I mean, you could, even as I say, it's certainly, you can see, it's just absurd, but it's where we do find ourselves when we embrace anti-vision or at least I'm not a leader like that, or at least my church isn't that, or like that's all anti-vision stuff. And it, um, man, it really negates, I think the beauty of what God wants to accomplish in our lives and in those areas of leadership he's given to us. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, you know, and uh, partly what I was just saying was, was me speaking to myself. Cause I fall into that. Like in high school, if I failed the test, I'm punching a locker. Like I was yeah. just, just anger and just rage. And like this, that was something that was so consuming. And like, I still struggle with that today, but I can fall in that mindset of like, like if, if, if Sadie says something or I do something that's just stupid, it's like, I'll just get so mad and just like, like you said, I'll just go isolate myself, but I can be thinking like, well, you better be glad I'm not not punching you know, a locker. I'm not, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not punching a hole yeah. in the wall. Like because 
I know because I've seen growth, right? Like I know seven, eight years ago, nine, whatever, like that would be a thought of like, I'm just going to go punch, but whatever, like, because that's was so consuming. But now I can look at, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that, but it's still not fully sanctified, right? It's still like, yeah. it's still wrong. It just looks different. But yet I think that's sometimes right. we can just be like, well, it's not as bad as it used to be, but, but it's still like not, you know, what God wants from you. Yeah. It's yeah. Very interesting. Well, you just talked about fear of man. And, you know, I, as, as I mentioned earlier, you've been going through the book of Malachi, which you really talk a lot about how we've lost this fear of the Lord. And I think sometimes we, you know, view Jesus as our homeboy. And I love how you kind of explain it. What do you think it is that we've kind of lost that reverence of? And, and, you know, you do a good job articulating it, not fear of the Lord as in, you know, scared necessarily, but just like a reverence and kind of like an awe. What do you think it is? And whether it's Western society or our culture, whatever, especially our culture, just with the generation that we're kind of bringing yeah. up, what is it that we've kind of lost that that sense of the fear that the Bible talks about? It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. Yeah, well, I think sociologically speaking, we're a low-honor culture. Um, we yeah. don't honor elders in our culture. We honor youth. We don't honor authority in our culture. We question it. So we, we are in sociologically speaking, a low honor culture and it's becoming more and more and more low honor, you know, not less and less and less low honor. So like I'm, I'll be, I'll turn 50 this June. And I, I mean, just when I was in school, it was yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am that wasn't a cute southern thing uh i i was in the bay area and dad was in the military and there was an honor you showed to your elders there was an honor you showed to authority and almost all of that has has been torn down yeah. and so now you have a low honor culture and then i, I think bad discipleship and bad teaching has and I want to be careful here. Overemphasized the love of God at the expense of the fear of God, and and fear being yes reverence, but but also dread. Like he is, <laughs> I mean, he is outside time and space. He is nothing can stay his hand. No one can make an argument against him that would be true or would stick. Um, he is the just judge that will judge all of the universe uh, in his justice by his sovereign power. And we've, you can, maybe this, this is the way I've been preaching it. I think you can really, really, really love Jesus and love God and still be really stupid and give yourself over to sinful wickedness. And I think you see that all over the Bible. You see King David, who's writing these epic love poems and songs 
to God. You know, one thing I ask and all that I seek is to gaze, you know, to, to seek you in your temple, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord too, right? Like my, my soul hungers for you. I thirst for you. This is a man that writes about God like he's in love. Why is he on that roof then? Well, why is he up on the roof looking at naked Bathsheba? Why does he turn his eyes away from this naked woman that's not his wife? Why does he call her up into his room? Why does he kill her husband who's a general for him in his own army that's fighting a battle he should have been at? This is the stupidity of sin and his love for God didn't stop him from being stupid and destroying his life. Because the sword never leaves David's house after this moment. This is a moment where he presumes upon the Lord. He's not walking in the fear of the Lord, which is a reverent dread of the Lord that, that doesn't take away from loving him and being loved by him, but holds us fast to righteousness, leads to long life, keeps us from sinning. These are all things that the Bible says that the fear of the Lord brings about. Um, and we could just keep talking about people in the Bible. We could talk about Ananias and Sapphira. We could talk about Peter, who it goes to Cornelius's house in Acts ten. He is the he is the mechanism by which the Gentiles become Christians. And and not a decade later, Paul has to rebuke him publicly to his face for not fellowshipping with Gentiles and only fellowshipping with the Jews. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira, who see Barnabas. I mean, think about the things they saw God do. When Pentecost happened and the church was born, they see Barnabas sell a part, plot of land and give that money to the, the, the church, the, the, the apostles. And this is conjecture. It's not in the text, but now all of a sudden, man, they're not as big of a deal in the church. So they, they have a conversation with each other that they're going to sell land. They're going to keep some of it. They're going to give some to the apostles, but they're going to lie about the amount that they're giving to the apostles. And what would be the motive of publicly giving this gift to the apostles? We sold this land. We give it to you. Well, it's to get up there with where Barnabas was. And I mean, that that's the only motivation I can see while keeping some back. And what does God do? He kills them both. Um, for what reason? Well, the Bible tells us the reason. So that the fear of the Lord, uh, permeated the church because what happens if you start to mix this kind of laissez-faire, God's grace is what it is. There, there's no judgment for the household of the Lord. There's only judgment for lost people. God doesn't care about our sins. You, 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 you start all of a sudden having a very different God than the one that's in the Bible. Um, and so there, I, I think the way to true victorious living in the Christian faith is that the, the grace and love of God made manifest in Christ and his mercy that is new every morning moves me towards the Lord to receive that grace and mercy. And the fear of the Lord keeps me from being stupid. It keeps me from looking at porn on my devices. It keeps me um, from presuming upon his name. It checks me in heart and motive. So even earlier when we were talking about motives, when I become aware that my motives are mixed, I immediately take that to the Lord and go, I don't, I don't want my motives to be mixed. I want to be pure hearted. Will you continue to grow me into pure heartedness? So even in that moment, I'm receiving the grace he has for me. He, he's not destroying me or crushing me because of my mixed motives. 
but I want to not pretend that those mixed motives don't matter to him because of his grace. No, I, I want to bring it to him. I want to ask him to refine me and, and to purify me into all righteousness. And I want to take serious the fact that I will give an account before God for my life and, and not be flippant about that. Yeah, man, that's so good. No, I love that. What, what do you, what do you always talk about delayed, um, Delayed obedience is still disobedience. That's it. See, even with motives, it's like, or, or, or whatever it could be, it's like if you know that there's something that you should repent of or that you feel conviction for, but you keep suppressing it and you keep kind of prolonging it, um, you know, God wants you to turn from that now. You know, if you have impure motives, if, if you're doing something, he wants you to eradicate it now and to repent of it now and to move forward in it now. Um, well, I was, I was going to read, Job one, uh, one and two, or, or not the whole one and two, but just kind of just that part that we talked about. But for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it. So if you're listening, um, I want you to go read Job one and two. It's it's just an interesting text. I don't I don't really know what, um, really what to glean from it. All I know is that it's, you know, God is sovereign; He's in control, but He also allows Satan to, to do things. Like there, there's a, there's a leash that He's given him to to do things, which is I just the whole thing I, I don't understand it. So so one, I kinda wanna end with if you have any thoughts on that, um, just to wrap it up, but also too, for those listening, um, you know, just provide any encouragement or comfort or something because um, you know, there are so many people that are walking through difficult things like that that are asking that question of how is God good in this circumstance? Like what is good what good is going to come out of this? How is he I just don't feel like he's in this situation. So just, to, yeah. just some encouragement to those people because, you know, we're recording this pre-LO conference. Um, Satan's conference will be last weekend when this airs. Um, but just some of the people that are coming that we've just heard their stories of, it's just just awful. Like this girl, but to take it with her mom. And then the next day, her mom got hit by a car. Just terrible stuff. Like, awful. So how do you, just, just for those listening who are maybe walking through something that's just horrific and, and difficult that are, you know, just asking that question of why and what good can come out of this and, and how is God sovereign and how is he still good and something that just seems so bad? Yeah. Well, one, I, I think anyone listening to this who has endured those kinds of things, those horrific things, I, and I'm so sorry, I hate that. It, it, what we, what we see and understand in the scriptures is that suffering, death, brokenness aren't a part of God's original design. Um, they, they, are introduced into the cosmos when sin fractures the universe, the rebellion of humankind against God's rightful rule and reign. And, and so anytime there, there's suffering, one of three things is, is happening. One, it, it's happening just because the world's broken. Uh, like the Bible never shot that the Bible's a really grimy book. It, it actually, it's rated NC 17 R. It's not, it's not a clean, pretty book. We, we proof text to try to make it that it's a, confusing, grimy book. And I love that about it because it's not shrinking back from what we're talking about here. Like the Christian shouldn't be surprised. We, we understand the world's broken to the cellular level. It's broken micro macro. It's fractured. The Bible teaches that, um, sometimes suffering occurs because, um, other people. So it's the brokenness of the world. Um, it's, the sinfulness of wickedness of other people. Some people you're listening to this and your suffering has been brought about because of the wickedness of other people. You were abused. You were traumatized. You were betrayed. You were, and, and all of that's very real. Uh, and then lastly, sometimes suffering occurs, um, because of our own foolishness and our own stupidity. We reap what we sow. 
Um, the Lord's given agency. We've made choices that have created a bit of a mess in our life. And, and, and those are the three reasons we see in the scriptures that suffering uh, occurs. It's almost always, and then you can intermingle into that, the demonic and, and, but demonic kind of come through certain doors and those certain doors are the three that we just named. And, um, the, the way the book of Job wants to orient our hearts is you've got this weird scene in one and two, and, and then you've got his friends that show up. And if his friends would have just stayed silent, and just sat with them and mourned like they did for the first seven days, we'd probably all love them and know their names, but they didn't. They opened their mouth and they spoke. And I think what his friends represent in the book of Job is this aspect of like looking around to try to make sense of our suffering. So they've all got these real natural, it's because of this, or it's because, you know, it's karma, or certainly you're guilty of something, or, uh, you know, this, it, it's all kind of sideways energy. And the Lord solves the suffering issue, not by answering all our questions, but by showing himself to be God. Um, and so whatever you're going through, what we see in the scriptures is this one, you have not been abandoned. Uh, so whatever's going on, God has not left you. Um, you are not on your own in this. And so we see that clearly. We, we see that the Lord moves towards those who are brokenhearted and contrite in spirit. Uh, we, so, so the Lord is going to move towards you in this season. So the girl that lost her mom, uh, I'm, I'm believing because the word of God says it, that she is experiencing the nearness of God in a unique way in this season. Now, the, yeah, that that's just, he has moved towards her in love. He is moving towards you in his love. We, we read in the scriptures that God is accomplishing certain things in our suffering and, and those things that he's accomplishing. I think some will be able to see in this life and some we, we won't know until the next. So there, there's plenty uh, that I've seen that I, I, I can't make any sense of. I, I can't see even I've been here at the village for over 20 years now, even 20 years later, I, I can't go, oh man, that's how that brought glory to God. Or that's how that brought joy to that person. Um, so I'm trusting by faith that the Lord is up to something that one day when my face isn't smashed against that stained glass window to quote Augustine, uh, I'll be able to see the, the beauty of God's reign and rule. And I think there is, and, and I just, this kind of takes me outside my own tradition, but uh, there, there is a tension between God's sovereignty and human agency where um, God is, I am not a determinationalist. I don't believe that like, God, you know, determined before the foundation of the earth was laid that you Christian enough would be wearing that pray t-shirt today. Uh, I just don't, I just don't think that's how sovereignty works. I, I think mm -hmm. sovereignty is a king on a throne who rules and reigns and human beings have agency. And a lot of suffering is made sense of by human agency. Um, and so what the Lord wants us to do in those confusing moments though, is, is look to his sovereignty as comfort. And, and that's the last three, four chapters of Job where it's like, where were you in? Where were you in? Tell me about this. Oh yeah, you can't, you know, cause you don't know, but I know trust that I'm good. Here's all the evidence that I'm good. Here's beauty in the world. Here's the time I gave you with this person. Here is your health or here is, and, and, and he lifts the eyes up to him to solidify us in his goodness, despite the current circumstance. Wow. Well, I, I really don't think I have much to add on top of that, man. That was, that's, that's, that's incredible. Cause even, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm wrapping it up, but yeah, I mean, like like I said, the family who's you know lost their two kids this past a couple of weeks ago, just trying to just reconcile all that and not asking the question why, but 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 really just having comfort in the scriptures of yes, God is still good and he is you know he is up to something in in all this thing that's that we can't make sense of like he's doing something and and you know we aren't the ones to to question which which is you know what job ended up doing and god's you know that's the last three or four chapters that's when god says you know okay well if you want to you know if you want to question me then i'll i'll show you this and you can't fathom it so yeah. um it's really crazy well i mean really really there's no one else I'd really, I would really, I would rather talk to about a difficult subject than you. So really, thank you so much for, for joining and and just going there because none of this stuff is easy. Like you said, the Bible no. is a grimy book, and there are things that we can't reconcile, and there are things that we can't comprehend, and a lot of it's a mystery. But we just have to keep pressing and just have faith that that yes, He is good, and He's gonna, um, He's gonna show it to us either in yeah. this life or the next life. So that's right. Really grateful for you and. Uh, thank you for this conversation, man. This was a this was a pleasure to get to have. Come on, well, thanks for having me on, Christian.